Today's episode of 11 Personnel is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Rams tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time app in your App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last minute tickets. What is going on, Ram fans? I'm Vinny Bonsignor with The Athletic, joined as always by Rich Hammond, also from The Athletic. And this is 11 Personnel, your definitive Rams podcast. We do this twice a week. And we're just kind of wrapping up the first five games of the Rams season and looking ahead to the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday at the Coliseum, which has turned into a pretty darn big game uh, given the events of the first five weeks of the season. Rich, how are you doing? Doing well, Vinny. Uh, It's weird having a weekend without uh, Rams football. I hope you got some time to hang out with your family. I went to the Chargers game, which... That was not a good experience. Uh, good thing this isn't a Chargers podcast. There'd be even more anger. That was an ugly, ugly game. But uh, yeah, Vinny, a little bit of time to sit back and reflect, right? I mean, it's only been five games, but I mean, gosh, that's that's more than the, the quarter of the way through the season already. So, I mean, how does it feel to you? Uh, obviously, it's much different from last year. The Rams were 5-0 and and everybody was happy. The offense was scoring a lot of points. Jared Goff was throwing for a lot of yards. Todd Gurley was scoring a lot of touchdowns, and they had just come off of a victory over Seattle. So things are a little bit different here at 3-2, and two, but what do you think? Is is this more the reality of what the NFL is supposed to be, or you know how much is the legitimate concern right now? Well, this is going to be, I'm going to beat a dead horse here um, a little bit, but this is probably going to be a reoccurring um, uh, subject or reminder of the text I got from the Rams coach earlier in the uh, during OTAs and 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 the uh, to sum up it was basically look we may not win 13 games like we did last year but by the end of the year uh, we have a really good chance of being a better team than we were last year so um, I think it's it's a little bit of what you said it's the reality of the NFL you're not always going to win the close games Greg Zerline's not always going to kick the field goal at the end of the game when given a chance if it was, you know, that kick on Thursday night was uh, a few feet to the left. We'd be looking at things in an entirely different light. Um, although I don't think that it would eliminate any of the concerns that we might have, any of the positives that are going on, or for that matter, uh, what I think is still a very, very bright future uh, for the Rams this year. So um, it's just, you know, the record doesn't look like what everyone would have liked to it have been, uh, you know, right now, but by no means is, is there cause for, you know, uh, outright concern and, and, and worry. I think the Rams are where they need to be. There's some things that they need to get cleaned up. There's some things that they need to get figured out. But, you know, one funny thing, one interesting thing about uh, not covering a game on Rams game on Sunday is you get to watch more football than you do on a typical Sunday. You get to just sit back and watch games. And and that kind of reinforced, um, you know, what I was feeling about the Rams. It's not dire straits whatsoever. I look around the league. There's issues that teams have across 
the league, uh, maybe except for the New England Patriots. Uh, and the easy schedule that they're playing, you cannot ignore the teams that the Patriots are playing. I'm sorry, but it's a factor that you have to talk about. They're, they're, I don't know who made their schedule, but they are just living uh, on, on easy street right now. And that may catch up to them at some point. They're, eventually, they're going to play a good team, and we're going to see what the New England Patriots are all about this year. Uh, but I digress. Um, watching a lot of football on Sunday, uh, taking a chance to just sort of take a step back. Uh, I think the Rams are are in a good place right now uh, with some areas that they could get cleaned up. And I think the answers are still within their locker room to get some of those issues cleaned up. Right, Vinny. I mean, this is 5-0 and last year. And, and what did they start? 8-0? I mean, that is an outlier. That does not happen a lot. I, I just, as you were talking there, Vinny, I looked it up. There are 17 teams in the league right now that have either two or three losses. I mean, that is half the league is in the same boat as the Rams right now. And a few are better. There's still a couple undefeated teams. You, you mentioned one with the, with the soft schedule. There's a couple others. But there's so many teams right now who are in that middle spot. Uh, who are you know can get better and will make the playoffs. So it is a marathon. I know fans don't like to hear that, but it is about where you're going to be in December uh, and, and playing at your best then. So are we seeing the Rams best right now? No, we're absolutely not. But it doesn't mean that, that they can't get there. So Vinny, I want to ask you, and you've, you've sat live through through all five games, if you have to pick one positive and one negative that stand out from the first five games. What are you picking? Well, uh, it's a really good question. Um, I, I don't have a positive that, you know, one single positive that stands out. Maybe before Clay Matthews' injury, I thought that, um, you know, first first and foremost, obviously, Aaron Donald is the best player on this football team. No questions asked. And he's having a fabulous year, no matter what the statistics show. Um, but Clay Matthews um, is having a, ha, was was having a really good injury. Uh, unfortunate that he's going to be out for you know upwards to a month with the broken jaw. But the fact that he's got six sacks right now, I don't think anyone necessarily anticipated that. So that was a, a real shot in the arm uh, off the edge that the that the Rams needed. And I, somebody uh, I think our, our good friends from Turf Show Times, um, you know, I don't know where this was necessarily coming from but during the game uh you know clay got a sack and and it was something along the lines of he owes you know aaron a couple of sacks something along those lines like you know he's benefiting from uh from aaron donald well no duh you know and um and not to you know uh i i think their heart was in a good place when they said that but i think the difference is He's played with a lot of guys on the on the edge in the time that we've been covering this team, Rich. We haven't seen guys necessarily take advantage of it. So you can't take anything away from what Clay Matthews is doing uh, to, to take advantage of the opportunities that he's getting. Other guys have been here and did not do that whatsoever. He is, and, and there's a talent to that. So let's not... Um, you know, uh, uh, disparage what, what Clay Matthews is doing. He's taking advantage of an opportunity that not a lot of guys have the talent to be able to take advantage of. But if that's the, I, I think he's one of the positives for me. Uh, negative, I just think there's a lot of still confusion with Todd Gurley and how to use him and how best to use him. Um, you know, and I think that it's caused some, you know, some coaching decisions that, uh, you know, th- that, because of the situation, Sean McVay has had to coach a little bit differently, game plan a little bit differently, call plays a little bit differently. Uh, Jared Goff has had to do things a little bit differently as a quarterback. The offensive line has had to play differently uh, than they're than they're used to, and and so I think that um, it's it's. It's one thing to say, hey, workload management and let's, you know, get Todd less carry so that he's stronger at the end. But I'm not sure anyone quite 
envisioned uh, or maybe even accounted for how much that was really going to affect this offense. And yes, it's an offense that's still scoring in the top 10 in the NFL. Uh, they're, they're averaging uh, as you know, the yards that they're, that they're picking up during games is top 10 in the NFL, but it's still not the same offense that um, we have seen the last couple of years. And, and, and the large part is because Todd Gurley just isn't being used as Todd Gurley or just isn't Todd Gurley right now. Good points, Vinny. I'm, I'm going to stay with the offense for both of mine, actually. And I'm going to stay at the same position for both of mine. My, my positive is Cooper Cup. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, Vinny, you watched through all of OTAs and training camp or whatever. So I don't. Th- I don't think it was a surprise to you or to anybody who you know was around the team every day that that he came back as strong as he did from that ACL surgery. Um, but there were questions and and right you know legitimate questions about whether or not he'd come back strong or, or be able to really come back uh, at all. Just a you know a few months removed from from ACL surgery and that recovery, and he's just been outstanding. I mean, five games, five hundred and five yards, four touchdowns, and you you can't even put a number on the value that he brings to that offense in terms of the the big catches that he makes, the third down plays, just having that trust built with Jared Goff. Uh, we talk about this Rams offense and where it is. I, I can't imagine where it would be right now without Cooper Cup in there playing the way that he has. So uh, I think that is a clear positive. A negative, uh, I look at Brandon Cooks and I'm not, again, you really have to understand kind of how everything fits together, all the puzzle pieces. So I'm not, when I say that, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, Brandon Cooks isn't playing well, but just the way things are going there. Obviously, the that game against Cleveland, he had a, a breakout. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's been really quiet uh, over those other four games. And, and just, you know, this past game, I, I know, um, you know, there's been some him being on and off the field, but uh, three targets, one catch. I mean, that New Orleans game, four targets, Carolina, six targets. And, and I know a lot of that has to do with, that defense and and them not being able to take advantage of his speed over the top and those big plays. Uh, so it all factors in. But uh, when, when we talk about that offense not being quite as dynamic, uh, I, I think that the, their inability to get Brandon Cooks going is uh, something that that's a big factor there. Yeah, I agree, and and I think that you know when you when you do talk about Brandon Cooks and you hit the nail on the head, uh, the the lack of the deep ball that's his forte. That's you yeah. know he's the speedster on this on this team, and you know it's not just I I don't think what the defenses are doing. It's also you know the fact that the offensive line just hasn't been up to par in terms of you know blocking those longer developing plays on a consistent basis. So uh, if there's if there's anybody, and I again I and I go right back to Todd again. Because uh, he's a he's he's the sort of weapon that you know when you have to start really accounting for him and creeping up safeties you know in run support or, or linebackers and safeties committing to run uh, on play action that's how guys like Brandon Hook Brandon Cooks you know uh, break loose in the secondary so you know like you said it, it's all tied in and I think that you know he's his game hasn't he he's he hasn't forgotten how to you know run deep patterns and catch deep balls uh, but the opportunities just haven't been there and and uh, by default he gets you know uh, not knocked for that but his game is going to suffer as a result all right Vinny we do a lot of work for the podcast uh, so this week I, I asked the the listeners to help out our, our readers our friends on Twitter to uh, provide some feedback because you know what Vinny we get caught in a bubble sometimes too and, and people who are around the team a lot or, or what have you you know we we kind of hear the same things we talk to the same people and I think there's some value in saying hey you know what 
people who, who watch the team or follow the team cheer for the team. What do they think about what's going on? And I was, I was curious about that. Uh, five games being a pretty good sample size, this being a, essentially an off weekend. So I put some questions out on Twitter, uh, like a 10, uh, 10 question survey, I guess. Um, so I got the answers because I did the survey. Vinny, you do not know the answers, correct? I do not. Yes. And this was definitely okay. the epitome of a pop quiz. Right. All right. Yes. <laughs> it, it, this is like the Ernst and Young thing. You prof- do not know the results of, of this poll. Before. Professor, Professor Hammond uh, just yes. surprised us with this. Uh, yeah, I, we quiz. were already in class like for a half hour before you dropped this. <laughs> You weren't even awake. <laughs> you, you, I saw you drooling on your notebook. Um, <laughs> so, Vinny, I, I, I have the answers here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you for your opinion on on the uh, questions, and uh, we'll see how uh, how close you get to, to how the how the fans and and how the listeners feel. So, the first question that was asked was pretty general, but. How would you grade the Rams' season? And it's a, it's a one to ten scale. So if you had to pick a number uh, between one to ten, what what number are you putting on it? Well, uh, you're probably going to hear this number a lot, but I'm going to say five. Uh, it's it's definitely um, you know not where they want it to be uh, whatsoever. And and when I say that, more than anything, it's not even the wins and losses; it's the efficiency offensively uh, that they are grumbling about, and a lot of those issues they feel are self inflicted. Uh, and things that, yeah, they give credit to the defense and credit where credit is due for sure. Uh, but but they feel like they've been able to to move the ball, uh, but they keep they they've shot themselves in the foot with some you know untimely penalties, uh, just some you know blown assignments, blocking assignments. So I'm going to say a five, not because of the record, but because I think this could be a much more and should be a much more efficient team. Well, Vinny, the fans are a little happier. They said uh, a six is the was the majority okay. vote. It was split split pretty evenly between uh, six and a lot of seven and a little bit of five, but six was the predominant uh, answer. So yeah, I agree. I'm I'm a little surprised actually. You know, given given the expectations that that three and two would would be worth a, a six, but um, you know, I, I guess if we're doing one to ten, uh, a six is like a D. So, so I guess that maybe that fits if we were actually doing the scoring. So I think that's about right. I'd say maybe 5.5 or 6, depending on uh, or just because of the expectations and such. So let's go on. Uh, question two, how would you grade Sean McVay's performance, again, on a 1 to 10 scale? Um, it should be an eight, but I'm going to go with a, 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 a high seven. I don't know if that's even possible, but, and here's <laughs> why. Um, okay. So, Hey, uh, organizationally, we are deciding that we're going to, um, limit Todd Gurley a little bit, uh, to preserve him. That's an organizational decision, much like the Dodgers would do with the young pitching, uh, sensation or a pitcher coming off of surgery. He's on a pitch count skip figure it out. <laughs> you know, you're the one that's going to be in the line of fire. Uh, you figure that out and work around it. And Sean McVay absolutely has had to figure out how to win games with uh, girly light is what I like to call it. Uh, less girly. Um, he's had a younger offensive line that he's trying to, to, to work around. Uh, some changes defensively. Um, obviously, other teams, you know, spent an entire offseason trying to figure out how to stop his offense and pulled some pages out of some blue, blue, you know, blueprints that were that were already drawn up by other teams last year. And he's had to kind of try to stay a step ahead of the uh, of the posse. And when I look around and think about it, he's a field goal away from being four and one right now. His team, anyway, 
Um, so he's put his team in position to win four games. And heck, you even go back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. They had the ball with a chance to tie the game. Uh, it was an eight-point game when they had the ball. Obviously, the fumble you know, ma- makes it a 15-point a win for the Buccaneers. But legitimately could be four and one right now, um, you know, facing a nice little break. So it, it could be better, um, but I'm going to go with a seven. Congratulations, Vinny. You were spot on. The fans voted a seven with uh, 36% voting seven. The actual, if you, if you went on the trend line, they actually went lower. So it was kind 30, of figure that. 36. Yeah, I, I kind of thought so too. I, I thought it would be somewhere in there just because, you know, so many people are concerned about the offense right now. And, and obviously when you think about the offense, you, you think about Sean McVay. So not surprised there, but curious. We'll, we'll, we'll look back here, but I, I was curious about some trends when, when you talk about where you start. Again, people graded the Rams' season as a six. Uh, so then you start to look at the rest of these questions and go, okay, well, where are you assigning the blame? If you're giving the season a six, now we've given uh, Sean McVay a seven, all right? So let's go on to Jared Goff. So how would you grade Jared Goff on a one to ten? Uh, Jared Goff is a, I'm going to say, a 6.5. <laughs> If, if I could, if I could be, if I could, please, <laughs> please Professor Hammond, if I could have that point five. Um, oh, okay. I think you know uh, a good six between six and seven uh, again. And it, here's a guy that's been asked to do more with less uh, this year as a quarterback. He's not getting blocked for uh, as good as he has in the past, and he doesn't have the dependable big time run game that he's had in the past. And he's had to adjust. I think he's starting to make. Uh, that adjustment, I really thought that he played a pretty good game against the Seattle Seahawks in, in really tough, tough conditions. Um, so, you know, he's not been his best. Uh, and, you know, he'll be the first to tell you that he needs to be at his best all the time. There's no uh, room for, for errors, the type of errors that he's had. Uh, but I but I still believe that there's some extenuating circumstances that are conspiring against him right now um, that I don't think people are giving enough um, – attention to or credit to um so you know not all his fault whatsoever by any stretch of the imagination but i'm still going to go with a six well you said uh, 6.5 and that's Vinny. you have your, your finger on the pulse because the winner was seven which yeah. was 31 percent but six was 27%. So, I mean, that's essentially a 6.5. I, I, I'm going to give you full marks uh, for that one. So, um, I think that's about right. You know, it's, it's, I think you look at it a couple ways. I, I've talked about it on multiple podcasts now, just the, the, the mistakes, the turnovers are, are what gets me. I don't, I don't put a lot of blame on Jared in terms of, some of the uh, way the offenses looked or, you know, the inability to hit the deep ball that we just talked about. Uh, some of the some of the numbers, the pure numbers, I don't look at and blame Jared so much, but it's the mistakes. Uh, but that Seattle game, we, we talked about it in the last episode. I mean, the, the, the interception is a, is a drop, basically. It goes right off of Gerald Everett's hands. And other than that, you know, he doesn't make any mistakes and, and he, you know, takes the team down to, in a position to win the game. So I think that's probably Progress and and I think maybe uh, people are starting to to come around a, a little bit maybe so a seven uh, being a pretty pretty good number 
for Jared Goff. Let's go on to the fourth question, and I'll tell you, Vinny, just so you don't sweat this one too much. This is by far the most even, or the, however you want to say it. The, the, the answers are most spread out on this one, and you're probably not going to be surprised to hear that the question is, how would you grade Todd Gurley's performance on a 1-10 to 10 scale? Yeah, and this is a, uh, you know, this is a tough one because um, he's just not getting used uh, to, to to the level that he's gotten used in the past. And you know, you look at the yards per carry average; it's four point two yards per carry. Um, if he had more carries, that would be reflected, obviously, in in how many uh, yards he had right now. Uh, he's got sixty seven carries through five games. I mean, that's that's. I'd have to look back to see how far that is off from uh, years past at this part of the season, but I would imagine that it's significantly off so um is it it's a chicken and, and and the egg situation um is it Todd Gurley not playing as well or is it just not being used as much so uh but I'm gonna have to say five because I don't know um I I, I don't know um but when he's gotten the ball uh and he gets it consistently he's he's doing okay uh, he's not doing great he's not the breathtaking Todd Gurley that we've seen yet um but you know, there's 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 some factors that are that are contributing to that, and he just hasn't been used in the past game either, and that's not necessarily his fault or reflective of his talent. It's just that he's not been used, and that's probably a way that they're trying to preserve him is not to put him in harm's way uh, too much, you know, uh, in in the past game or or you know give him too much of a load, too heavy of a load uh, by using him as a runner and as a pass catcher. Well, Vinny, I'm starting to think you stole the answers to the test um, because five was the yeah. predominant answer. Very, very narrowly. Five got 21% of the vote, followed by six at uh. 20%, and then followed by seven at 19%, and then followed by four at 18%. I was so thinking four all was in of those. There. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, pretty much, you're, you're pretty much dead even between four and seven, and Probably, probably an accurate representation of how we don't know how to grade Todd Gurley right now. I mean, you could make a legitimate case for him being a four. You could make a legitimate case for him being a seven. And I don't blame anybody for for kind of having those numbers spread all the way out because uh, it is confusing and we don't know exactly what to make of it or exactly how much to attribute to Todd or how much to attribute to the offense or whatever it might be. So. I uh, wasn't really surprised to see that one spread out uh, quite as much as uh, or as it was. Yeah. So let's go on. Uh, the second to last of the grades, the offensive line, Vinny. How would you grade the offensive line from, from 1 to 10? Well, uh, this also, I think, deserves a little bit of context. Um, you know, I think that, and, and I've talked to some some of the offensive linemen, and, and uh, one thing, uh, I have to kind of be careful in how I, how I say this, but they were really appreciative of the fact that they were kind of let loose a little bit in the Seattle game. Uh, and, and mm. they want, they want to be a big physical, um, you know, nasty team. And you do that by running the ball and by developing that nastiness and that physicality. So they were, uh, uh, if you, if you could read between the lines, uh, the linemen that I were talking, that I talked mm. to were pretty happy about that. Okay. So prior to that, they weren't, they weren't really being let loose like that. And uh, whether, it was just because they weren't doing it well or, or they were trying to do different things uh, from an offensive standpoint. They just weren't, and, and I thought they looked passive um, and not as good and not as sharp. 
uh, not as physical as a, as a result, and they were pretty much getting their lunch eaten on a consistent basis. I think that sort of turned around in the Seattle game, which gives me hope. If I'm a Ram fan, I'm going, okay, you know, uh, maybe there is um, – you know, some improvements to be made and can be made, I should say. So for them, right now I'm going to go with a four, uh, but I think that uh, there was a bit of a turnaround in the Seattle game, so I'm thinking that it's four with a needle pointed up. It is need four with uh, 24% of the vote, followed by three at 20% and then uh, five at uh, 17%. So, um, yeah, I, I understand it. Uh, I think again, there's there's other factors involved, and and what's your scale? And and again, we're not we're not even talking about the same players. I mean, do you grade Andrew Whitworth the same way that you grade Joe Noteboom? Do you grade Brian Allen the same way that you grade Rob Havenstein? Uh, I don't know, but I I think we can go say across the board um, that you know it's it's been below average I think uh, over the five games so I I think it's fair to say four and you can see from the numbers Vinny going back I mean people's graded the Rams season as a six uh, but graded Sean McVay higher than that graded Jared Goff higher than that graded Todd Gurley essentially at that level so clearly. Uh, people less satisfied with the offensive line. And I don't think we can be totally surprised by that. But um, again, as you said, Vinny, some, some circus circumstances involved there. And I think probably the position with the most room to change over the rest of the season. So it'd be fascinated to see how that goes. Real quick, because mm-hmm. uh, you, yeah. you asked, you know, uh, how do you grade offensive linemen, the sliding scale, you know, on, on certain guys. And I, I'm drawing mm-hmm. a blank on who the offensive line coach was. But he was asked that question, um, like, because his whole thing is you either block the guy or you don't block the guy. You know, if you're, if you're blocking your guy enough and helping us win, you're doing good. If you're not, you know, you're helping us lose. Right. And, and so then the question was, okay, but on a given week, uh, is there some, um, you know, do you account for the fact that maybe one week it's Aaron Donald, maybe the next week it's, you know, a, a free agent off the street? You know, do you, do you uh, grade on a scale from week to week in that, in that basis? And he's like, like I said, you either block the damn guy or you don't. So no, there's no. So if you're gonna, the way you grade Andrew Whitworth is the way you grade Noteboom and and Brian Allen and and Austin Blythe and and Rob Havenstein. You either block the guy uh, or you don't. And unfortunately, you know, uh, it's been a little bit of too much of the uh, of the not blocking uh, your guy early on. Uh, but but like you said, I think that um, there's there's some room for improvement. I think we saw some some good signs that that could be happening in the Seattle game. Yeah, if, if you want some bottom line quotes, go to a line coach. Oh, yes. you, can, you can never go wrong there. They're, they're never going to dance around a subject, that's for sure. So uh, only one question about the defense. Vinny probably should have been more, but uh, but how would you grade Aaron Donald on a 1 to 10? I'm going to have to say uh, a 9, and I only say that and I don't. The reason I don't give him a ten yet is because I actually think he's going to play better. Uh, uh, amazingly, so uh, throw out all the stats of in terms of how many tackles or or how many sacks. This guy has been disrupting offenses all season long. He's living in backfields, uh, just wrecking things. Um, and and you, know, you, I talked earlier about Clay Matthews' six six sacks. Yeah, uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know teams are are um, you know sliding to Aaron Donald, double teaming him, sometimes triple teaming him, and that's going to open things up for other players. So uh, he's having a fabulous year. I'm going with nine. 
Yeah, this is the one where I think I would take the issue uh, the most with with the responders. Uh, they voted eight with thirty one percent, followed by nine at twenty seven percent, and uh, I'm not real sure about that one. I don't know how you can give Aaron Donald an eight if, if you're giving him an eight. I don't know what you're giving uh, pretty much anybody else in the league. <laughs> I don't I don't know who the nine is, or I certainly don't know who the ten is if if he's getting an eight. So I, I understand. I guess people look at sacks and you know maybe the numbers aren't quite where they were or are expected to be but just just watch some cuts of that guy I mean if you want if you can find anything on YouTube or whatever just the the plays that he makes even even if he doesn't record a sack or a tackle or, or what have you I mean that's a guy who impacts the game on pretty much every single play and uh, I certainly would say at least nine so I was a little bit surprised to see that that low so Vinny that's enough of the one to ten questions but uh, the next one I went on to is the Rams are three and two right now Uh, what will the Rams final record be I'm gonna say and I think I was I think I said this um Eleven and five. I'm gonna go eleven and five. Wouldn't be surprised at ten and six, but more eleven and five. That's where I'm going. And you were with the fans. Forty one percent of them essentially said uh, eleven and five. Followed actually the second most popular choice was twelve and four, uh, which I, I was a little bit surprised at, uh, given you know there there seems to be a little bit of angst. But uh, there's a there's quite a few people out there who who have the Rams finishing uh, nine and nine and two. I guess it is right. Or I'm really bad at math. Uh, nine and two. So I mean, that's uh, that's uh, pretty optimistic. Uh, and then following that is ten and six. So I, I agree. I, I don't have. I didn't really dope out the entire rest of the of the schedule. But I think we can certainly say that um, you know they should start to make some hay here in in the middle of the season and, and start to pile up some wins. So be very I also think Todd Gurley to is going to be used more too. By the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that that'll influence things too. So to, uh, we're going to do this again, I think, during the during the bye week. You know, after that uh, London game. So I'll be curious to see where they go from there. Vinny, question number eight out of ten: <clears throat> How will the Rams' season end? And the the choices were uh, w- without a playoff appearance, a loss in the wild card round, a loss in the divisional round, a loss in the NFC Championship game, a loss in the Super Bowl. Or with a Super Bowl victory? My goodness gracious! This is these are these are tough questions, Professor. Yeah, I know. What, what? How many points uh, is this worth for my final grade? <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, you, there, there'll gonna, be extra credit later on. I have but, no yeah. doubt about that. Um, yeah. I think they win their division. I think there's way too many games left with their with their beginning this week against the San Francisco 49ers where they can make hay, um, and and you know take over uh, control. I think they're the best team in the, in the division. And I think that's going to, that's going to prove out. So they win the division. Um, Got to win. Basically. I think, I think, I think they'll go to the NFC championship game. I don't see anyone. I, I'm not, you know, look what happened to the bears today. Green Bay looks pretty good, but um, you know, they, they, they almost coughed one up to the Dallas Cowboys when they had control of that game. Um, just looking around, I think the Cowboys can be had. So I think that there's a, there's a legitimate, case for the Rams to still be the second best team in the NFC and and I'm not going to make a prediction well all right so I'm going to say what they do got, you think they, the fans think I, I I'm <laughs> that's a good okay they lose in the NFC championship game 
this one made me laugh because oh, no. it just showed you how um, you know how, how kind of split the fan base is, or, or how you kind of have your your optimists and and your pessimists. Yes. So there were there were two category there were two answers that were kind of predominant. Thirty five percent said a loss in the divisional round. And thirty four percent said win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so you can so there there were no there's no middle ground here. People either think they're going to flame out before they even get to the NFC Championship game, or we're going to be covering a parade in February. So that just kind of made me laugh, just knowing you know being a fan myself and kind of knowing the the nature of fandom. It's it's you're either all or nothing. You either think uh, everything's is going to be awesome, or you're just resigned to. Uh, to disappointment so that that made me laugh so in my head right now i'm going through yeah. some of the avatars of some of our twitter followers i'm trying to figure out <laughs> you can assign you can yes. you know who voted which way i i think i have a pretty good idea <laughs> on some of them yes i think i do too <laughs> um so Vinny, th- this next one we're I keeping actually, an eye on you you guys yeah <laughs> so this next one Vinny, i i i want you much like the last one, I, I want you to give the answer that you think the fans will give. Okay. And the question is, do you believe Todd Gurley's knee is healthy? Yes or no? No, I don't. But before, you know, that gets made into a headline or something like that, or somebody tweets that out. Um, but how, you, you know, think about it. It was, it was surgically repaired five years ago. He's played more running back than anybody uh, in the NFL in the last couple of years. He's played probably just as you know, many games as anybody uh, in the NFL, including the, you know, into the Super Bowl. How could you possibly think that it's completely healthy at this point? It's not, but I don't think that it's so bad that he, he, obvi- he can't be close to what he's been. So please don't misunderstand. No, I don't think it's 100% healthy. I think that's almost um, unrealistic, but it's perfectly fine for him to do Todd Gurley types of things. Yeah, the, the question probably could have been phrased a little bit more you know, tightly, I guess. But uh, yeah, 53% said no, which uh, was actually, I thought was a little low, you know, given what we've kind of heard and and uh, what the reaction seems to be. So again, it's a little bit, I probably should have been a little more descriptive with the question because healthy uh, can mean a lot of different things. I mean, how many people on the team have, you know, a a knee that's healthy? I mean, there's a lot of guys who don't have a a totally healthy knee. So there's grades of that. But um, but yeah, 53% said said no. So trying to get me in trouble. Last question. Well, uh, that'll be on somebody's blog tomorrow. Vinny Bonds and Horses. Todd Gurley's knee. Aggregated um, news. <laughs> it'll, look, it'll look great on Twitter. Um, last question. Who is the Rams MVP? Aaron Donald is the Rams MVP. Well, no, you're wrong. According to the fans, uh, 63% said Cooper Cup. So 23% said Aaron Donald. Um, that's a tough one because uh, you look at – you. to me, I look at MVP, whatever the question – whatever the – you know, parameters are, I always look at it as if you took that person off the team, who would have the most impact? So I understand, you know, 63% saying Cooper Cup. And I just said it myself, you know, where would that Rams offense be without Cooper Cup? I don't think it would be very good. But if you take Aaron Donald off the team, then you're just you're looking at a completely different defense and a completely different team. So uh, I understand the Cooper Cup love. He's been awesome. Um, And I think, again, is clearly, clearly been the MVP 
of that offense. But uh, boy, anytime Aaron Donald is on your team, uh, I don't think uh, I don't think that's the wrong answer. So it's twenty three percent said Aaron Donald. Uh, Jared Goff came in at seven percent, followed by Clay Matthews at five percent. So uh, there you go. Um, so there's there's our survey, Vinny. I think you did very well. I'm going to give you a, a passing a passing grade on that. So uh, you know, study up for the final. And, uh, and, we'll, and we'll come back. We'll do it again maybe in a couple weeks after, uh, after you get back from London and, and we'll see where it goes. But Thank you, Professor uh, How, uh, Hammond. I'll have your Yeah, apple. I know. You, you were sweating apple. it there, weren't you? Yeah. I was. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to do is uh, open it up to some questions and uh, did that today. Uh, on Twitter, just to kind of see what people thought, what what was on their minds. So uh, let's run through a, a few of these. I'm not going to be able to get to them all, probably, but uh, we we can tag off here on on some of the answers. Uh, I thought this was a great question. Uh, it came from uh, Twitter user BGR, and the question essentially was, how different would the narrative around the Ram season be right now if Greg Zerline had made that field goal? Um, I, I think that cosmetically it would look uh, a, a lot better. Uh, but I think the, I think the, um, you know, the, there's, there's, there's fans that get it and understand. Uh, I think most fans saw the positives, uh, in that loss. So I don't think it would have changed it all that much. I think that fans still feel really good about themselves, about their team. I think the Rams feel really good about themselves. So, uh, it would have been nice, obviously for the Rams to be four and one right now, but, uh, but you know, th- they'll take the three and two. Um, knowing that they took some really positive steps on Thursday night. Yeah, I think it would have taken the edge off a little bit in terms of, you know, not having back-to-back losses. But I, I think that Tampa Bay loss just colored so much of, of what happened uh, or the perception of the Seattle game, too. I mean, there's, you know, it was just four days later and people were still kind of upset and wondering what the heck was going on. And, and then you put another loss on top of that and it just kind of compounds things. So uh, that that doesn't help. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you'd still be talking about the same kind of questions or the same kind of, uh, uh, you know, doubts or whatever it might be. I, I don't know whether that uh, would have changed a whole lot, but I think it would have made people a little bit happier this weekend, e- even if they still had some concerns or, or what have you. So good question, I thought. Um, Vinny, this one came up a couple times, and this is a guy I know you've you've watched you watched pretty closely, uh, as, you know, in the draft, the mini camps, everything uh, else. And it's about Daryl Henderson. And I know we get this, you get it from time to time when you do your Q and A's on the athletic, but this came up a couple times. Uh, what's going on with Daryl Henderson and, and why hasn't he gotten a chance? Uh, well, I think there's a couple of things. Um, I, I think that he needed to, you know, figure out how it's done on the professional level. Um, that goes everything from practicing to, you know, uh, the classroom and understanding the playbook, which is typical, you know, for, for, for rookies. Uh, so I think that you had that factor into it. And uh, typically players, you know, pretty much uh, dictate when they're ready to, to play. And I just don't think that he accomplished that uh, thus far. I think that the other factor is that they're still trying to figure out, you know, how do you map out a whole plan with Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown? And that got out of whack on on Thursday, Malcolm only had what one carry uh, in that yep. in that game. So um, it it kind of shows you that you know it's just weird right now with the running back situation. I think Daryl's you know uh, uh, partially caught uh, in that a little bit. I I do feel that at some point uh, this year he's gonna you know play a role. He's gonna have a role. He's gonna make a, a an impact. I don't know when that'll be. Uh, this could be a good little break. 
um, for him to kind of get it together and, and, you know, maybe for the Rams to, to self-evaluate um, and, and take a look, self-scout and say, hey, maybe he can, we, maybe there's something that we can do to get him on the field, a package to get him on the field, get his feet wet, because we're probably going to need him later on down the year. Um, so maybe this is a good week for, for him to get out there. So it's hard, you know, it's, it's, we've seen rookies like John Johnson come in and all of a sudden, what, remember we, we showed up at the Coliseum one day and he was starting and it was like, what really? Mm -hmm. And, and so when the coaches have that faith in you and believe that you're ready to to seriously can contribute, um, you're going to be out there, but they're not going to do it for anything other than we feel like he's good. This is the NFL, man. (laughs) You, you either are on uh, part of the answer on how we're going to win football games or you're kind of not. And so until at that, when he shows them that he could be part of a winning effort, uh, that's when he'll, I think, get on the field. Yeah. I, I think he's a little bit a victim of the Rams own hype. If I, if that makes sense. I mean, when, when they drafted this guy in the third round out of Memphis, you, you heard a lot about it instantly, like how excited they were and the skill set and that sort of thing. And I, I think that kind of got built up in people's you know minds right away and their imaginations of, Oh, wow, this is a guy who can, you know, be a, a day one contributor. And, and I think he flashed some of that, but you might have to tamp those expectations down a little bit. I mean, you're talking about a, a third round pick out of Memphis. Uh, that's a little bit different than, you know, going in, in the NFL and, and playing in regular season games when, when you're, what is he, a 22-year-old rookie? Um, so that that's a big jump. And, and to ask somebody to do that right away, I, I don't know whether that's uh, totally reasonable uh, for, for that to happen. So I, I think people kind of got caught up in the, in the Rams, you know, being so excited to to draft him and, and maybe thought that was going to lead to instant production. Vinny, I, I think it was in our first podcast episode when I said, you know, I watched those preseason games and eh, I didn't quite see it just yet. So I, I think, you know, for maybe people who are asking the, those questions, maybe if you can think back or, or look back on some of those preseason tape and, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress. I, I agree, Vinny. I, I think he'll get there, and I think they'll, you know, maybe figure out what they want to do with that running back rotation. But um, the fact that he's not there yet, I, I wouldn't. I don't think that makes him a bust. I don't think that means the Rams don't have confidence in him. I think there's just a natural kind of progression there um, to um, what it takes to to thrive in the NFL. So exactly. we'll see over yep. the over the course of the like little while here. So, Vinny, a few questions about the defense and. Um, I want to narrow it because there was a couple of questions about the the DBs in particular and uh, kind of the way that they're playing, whether it was, uh, you know, the cushion uh, that is given to receivers and um, how much of that do you think is, you know, playing into some of these issues? I feel like a lot of people are caught up on the defense. And, and again, I think the Tampa Bay game is coloring a lot of this and maybe, you know, the, the, the performances against the Saints and the Browns really got really got washed away uh, pretty quickly by that Tampa Bay game. And now there seems to be kind of a, a narrative that the, the defense is really struggling. But uh, what about that, Vinny? And, and particularly people want to seem to want to know about the secondary and uh, maybe their style of play. What it would you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think that, um, and you know, Sean McVay alluded to this on, on Friday. I, I think, um, and not to take anything away from you know the fans' perspective or sometimes even our perspective, um, but literally, we don't know what the assignments are, what the coverages are called, um, you know, what, what guys are supposed to be doing uh, on particular plays, who's supposed to be helping. So, 
you know, cornerbacks, and I know that a lot of, um, you know, the questions have been about, you know, Marcus and Tlaib and the cornerbacks, what's wrong with the cornerbacks. And, and it's, they're an easy target sometimes uh, because they live on such a high wire uh, out there. And if a safety is missing an assignment, um, or they're not even letting the safety be of help if they're like in zero coverage trying to, you know, uh, you know, bring some extra pressure uh, against the quarterback. You know, you're it's it's bad things can happen sometimes, and it looks really bad for the cornerback when it might not have necessarily been their fault uh, entirely. So I think you need to keep that in mind when you're starting to talk about Marcus and and Akib and, and the cornerbacks. I think that for the most part they've played okay this year they played winning football this year yeah you're gonna get beat from time to time and and you're gonna give up you know uh uh you're gonna give up completions that's that's just part of the nfl world the key for the rams uh, up until you know the uh, the tampa bay tampa bay game in particular was yeah they were giving up pass completions but they were tackling so well between their cornerbacks and, and in a lot of cases their safeties as well that you were giving up pass completions but you know uh they weren't for big plays a six yarder didn't become an 18 yarder that's those are the back-breaking type of plays um they were managing it so and i think that they were they were perfectly fine up until the tampa bay game and you know like you said that's colored things a little bit but i don't think that that's necessarily indicative of what that defense is all about and the the seattle game i cannot stress to people enough how difficult it is to play against and defend Russell Wilson. He just puts so much pressure on you uh, as a, as a defense, as a, on your first level, you, you, you can't squeeze too much because then he'll just slip right out uh, and, and do damage. So you almost have to corral him. Uh, you know, you can't be too aggressive or overly aggressive. He'll burn you. You have to be really disciplined. And that goes for the linebackers when they're coming up to stop him in the run or, or staying in their zone in pass coverage, making the decision to do that. And the same thing with, with your cornerback, with everybody, all 11 guys are affected by that dude over there. Russell Wilson, who I frankly think is playing second best quarterback in the NFL behind, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so that's going to skew things a little bit too. And even in that Seattle game, I thought the Rams defense did enough to win that game. They got some stops that they needed to give the offense a chance to go win that game a couple of times. So um, I'm not down on the defense at all. This is the NFL. You're not going to be stopping everybody all the time. This is not, you know, uh, Alabama uh, you know, uh, against Kentucky. Uh, this is the NFL. Guys really are good at this level. And um, if your offense is turning the ball over um, or you're taking chances sometimes to create something, um, you're, you're sometimes going to be vulnerable. Uh, but that's not indicative of, of I think, uh, where I think this Rams, team is, Rams defense is just fine. Yeah, you look at that Seattle game, Vinny. Russell Wilson was just outstanding. And uh, again, it sound like we're, we're the Russell Wilson fan club or something. But I mean, I, I don't think you can watch that game objectively and come away with any other opinion. I mean, he was just outstanding. I don't, they don't win that game unless he's on top of his game. And he was. I have some questions and we can, we can get into this later. I mean, this might be another good topic down the road about Marcus Peters and zone versus man and the kind of things you can do and can't do. I have, I have some questions about that. So maybe we can get into that. No doubt about time, it. But, 
No yeah, but uh, <laughs> but in terms of you know what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I you know again it's one of those things where maybe the expectations were a little bit higher, and uh, there have been some moments, some sequences where you raise your eyebrows a little bit. But I, I tend to think that's going to come out in the wash. But we'll, we'll see. So last question, Vinny, and this is kind of a big one, and it's the one that kind of comes around the the fall tradition, the October tradition. Uh, what about trades? Can the Rams make a trade to improve some of the uh, issues. So I have thoughts on this, Vinny. Uh, the name when this came up on Twitter, uh, Trent Williams' name came up, Jalen Ramsey's name came up. Uh, Vinny, you talked to so many people in that headquarters uh, to get a, a sense of what they're thinking and what's possible and what isn't. If you, if you could give our friends, uh, a quick rundown of kind of in-season trades, what's possible and what isn't. Uh, what would you tell people as we get kind of closer to this trade deadline? Well, it, you know, it's a it's it's just such a fluid situation because it takes two to tango. I know that's a cliche, but it's the truth. You have to have teams that are motivated uh, for some sort of reason to want to trade somebody. That's why they're so rare. Uh, you know, to happen, you know, oh, well, Trent Williams with the Washington Redskins. Well, Trent Williams is under contract for what, through next year, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and (laughs) I mean, I think from the Rams perspective, they could, you know, they would, they would, they would, you know, uh, they could make that work if, if it came down uh, to something, you know, making it, making a deal. Uh, I'm sure they could try to figure out a way to make that work financially. My question is, why does, you know, I'm not sure Washington's going to trade him right now. He's one of their better players. He's under contract, um, you know, uh, for for another year. Um, what are you necessarily going to be able to get for him? Is Washington going to be able to to get what they would want? So, it's 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 so hard to predict um, who's actually available, who's not available, um, and and everyone's motivations have to line up. So those are those are really hard. Now, as far as Trent Williams, because I've heard that name so many times before. Obviously, he plays left tackle. For the Washington Redskins, and he's good. He's a good. He's a good, re- really good. Uh, you know, left tackle. But uh, I did a little bit of research, and you know, our friend Sean McVay was the head or the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins. That's where he was before coming to the Rams. And I found an old clip where, lo and behold, Trent Williams had to move to left guard for a spell. Um, I forget what the exact reason was, but he played left guard. Because I was like, has Trent Williams ever played guard? Because if the Rams do, let's say the Rams do trade for him. He's not playing tackle. I mean, obviously they have Rob ha- Rob Havenstein on the right side uh, and Andrew Whitworth on the left side. Those guys are, they're in place. They're not moving. Um, so you would probably look at, well, left guard. I mean, Joseph Noteboom uh, has had some struggles um, you know, getting acclimated as his first year as a starter. I think that, you know, he, he played much better in the Seattle game. Uh, but that might be, if you're looking for areas to improve, maybe that's an area that you improve. And lo and behold, uh, Trent Williams did play some left guard. And there was a clip that I found of Sean McVay saying that he looked great in the game that he played left guard. So there's a little bit of history there. So that's not something that I would necessarily rule out. I'm not saying that they're actively pursuing it. I'm not saying anything's going to happen. But... Uh, I would imagine that if, if he ever did become officially available or if the Rams found out that he became available, that's something that I would think that they would look into because we know that their offensive line right now is not grading out as, as high um, as it has been. And we know the importance that it that the offensive line plays in the success of this offense, 
the way it's built, what they are, their objectives are. This is a big play offense that needs their quarterback to have time to let plays develop. So anytime you can improve that offensive line, you're probably going to look into it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Vinny, like I was engaging some people on on Twitter, and, and my question kind of is, what is your expectation here when you when you talk about trades? Because in season trades in the NFL, when you're talking about players who could be considered impact players. They don't really happen. You know, I know we've seen a couple, you know, we saw Amari Cooper last year. Somebody said Jay Ajayi the year before. Jay Ajayi was in some bad shape that year. That wasn't like a superstar trade. Uh, but the thing is, Vinny, these trades that get made during the season, it there's usually a reason behind it, as you just said. Either it's a contract issue or somebody's having, you know, behavior issues or whatever it might be. Very, very, very rarely do you see a trade made where it's like, okay, uh, it's it's a team acquiring a quality player under a good contract. Like this is it's very different, I think, than, than any other sport. You don't see that thing where you, you get to the middle of a season or the second half of a season and a team goes, okay, well, we're not going to win it this year. So let's sell off some of our assets. You know, that, that does not happen in the NFL because if you get guys who you like and who you think you can build around, you don't trade them. You don't you don't tank. You don't try to just, you know, go into rebuild mode at, at the trade deadline. You you hold on to those guys. So it's very difficult to, to pry somebody away. If, if somebody's available, uh, it's usually for a reason. And, you know, I had a couple of people say, well, you know, the Rams got Dante Fowler last year. Yeah, they did. And do we remember the circumstances of that trade? I mean, Dante Fowler at that point was considered a bust. He was hardly playing. He was like a situational pass rusher for the Jaguars at that point. It wasn't like he was, you know, nobody was setting off fireworks in the street when when the Rams acquired Dante Fowler. It was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, I guess that could work. So yeah, and, that's and, why... And, and, in his case, uh, they had already declined the fifth-year option, they being the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they had already declined the fifth-year option. He was literally in yeah. a walk for nothing. He got right. beat out by a really good you know, uh, outside linebacker that the Jaguars had. So there was an opportunity for the Jaguars to say, hey, you know what, he's just – you know, right now he's in our rotation. Um, he's just perfectly fine in that in that role, but he's walking at the end of the year. Why not get what did they get? A third round pick, I think it was. For uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I'd have to look back to see what that was. But why not get something? In the case of Trent Williams, um, you know, he's still under contract for next year. If he makes a big squawk, if he puts pressure on them, although in the NFL it's hard for players to have that kind of leverage. But maybe if he just flat out says, I'm going to make life difficult for you. Just trade me. Um, you know, maybe the Redskins are motivated to, to, to make it a move in that regard. But like you said, it's hard. And, and the, the type of players that might be available, you know, are they, do they represent an upgrade? I think Trent Williams right, right. now would represent an upgrade, but does Washington even want to trade him? But short of him and Jalen Ramsey, you could forget about, I mean, maybe, uh, I'll eat my words in, in three or four weeks when the when, when you know a month or so when when the trading deadline is here, but I don't see any way at all that that's even remote possibility. So I, I almost say just forget about the whole Jalen Ramsey thing yeah, because then you're going to have to pay. Tra- then you're then you're gonna have, you're going to have to pay him. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to give up draft picks, either let him walk or pay him a lot of money to keep him. Um, you know, on, on your team, I, that's, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best 
you know, uh, usage of, of assets right there. Right. The other thing about Trent Williams, I mean, he's, he's holding out right now because he, he's not happy. And so, so if you're the, 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 you know, play this out here, the Rams are going to trade for Trent Williams and not give him a new contract just yet and tell him he's going to move to guard. Like, I don't know whether that's the scenario you think is really going to play out. Uh, maybe it does in some uh, way, but I, I don't necessarily think that's that's the path. I think you got to, Vinny, I think you got to look for those trades like the Dante Fowler trade, where you, you look at a guy and you say, you know what? I see something there. I see a glimmer. Maybe it's not as bright as it was, but it's it's still a guy who we could kind of take and and polish up a little bit and have him be a contributor. I, I think those are the kind of the trades that you have to to look at and maybe you know turn your eyes a little bit away from the Trent Williams and the Jalen Ramseys and think like, okay, what is this kind of under the radar guy who maybe needs a, a change of scenery or something like that, and uh, maybe that guy can step in and make an impact. Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Melvin, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Melvin Gordon for Todd Gurley. Vinny, you're breaking all kinds of news today. This, this is going to be a great. I mean, he's not uh, going to. You, you don't think yeah. that you, he, he's probably. He's. I mean, now there's a guy that if I'm the Chargers, you know, maybe that's a, somebody who I think about, especially if they start fading here. Uh, today's loss yeah. was this loss was just embarrassing, but um, yeah, but no, I mean, it's it's to your point. You, you know, you have to look away from those big names. The big names rarely are even available anyway, so it would it would have to be. Someone along those lines that just needs to change the scenery. Look at the guys that are that are that have their their fifth year options have been declined already, um, and maybe a team is trying to unload somebody. But there's usually a reason why your fifth year option has been declined as well. So that's a red flag. So um, you know it, it worked out for the Rams last year with Dante, but they were really what what other choice they were what other choice did they have they had to bring somebody in uh, at that point cuz they were just getting no produ- no production uh on 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 the edge uh, i don't see that i don't see any glaring glaring need um right now except maybe um you know an improvement on the offensive line but even in that case the rams are really hopeful that the guys that they have in place are the answers they just need time to continue to develop yeah as i recall last year it was down to either dante fowler or junior galette so uh, that's exactly <laughs> where the rams were with their with their uh, outside pass rush uh, situation so um, thanks everybody for the questions. I didn't, maybe we can save a few of these for, for the next, uh, episode or one down the line says so there was some other good stuff in there, but, uh, Vinny, we're, we're going to look ahead, uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. We'll be back with everybody, uh, at the end of this week. I would encourage you to, uh, to check out, uh, their podcast as well. Uh, here's the catch and, uh, they'll be breaking down the game, I'm sure. And, you know, we're just, there's so much to listen to now on, on the athletic podcast podcast network and uh the great show is the nfl power rankings and uh, Lindsay and amy do that and and they they're just such awesome writers and, and editors uh and and breaking down everything so i encourage you to check them out and uh their last episode was about the top five villains in in the nfl which is a lot of fun so can you give a listen uh you won't be surprised uh, that there's a raider on the list so no, nobody will be is he still on the is he still uh playing no he is not <laughs> <laughs> 
No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta figure that. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, you can hear that. I'm, I'm sure that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, we'll be back with everybody uh, at the end of the week to uh, look ahead to what's going to be a very, very interesting Rams 49ers game. So, uh, thanks everybody for, for being with us. You can always follow along on Twitter during the week. Uh, Vinny is at Vinny Bonsignor. I am at Rich underscore Hammond. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for all of your great reviews and ratings on iTunes and and elsewhere. We really do appreciate all that. And uh, we will be back with you at the end of this week to preview Rams and 49ers. So thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. And keep the questions coming.